So God is a God of miracles, amen? If you believe that, say amen. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so everything we read about God in the scriptures, God is able and he's capable of doing in 2022. And he's capable of doing it in your life and through your life in his son's name. Amen? Jesus, during his ministry in the world, performed many, many many miracles. Actually, at the end of the book of John, it says that if we wrote all the miracles down, that the, that the books in the world couldn't even contain everything that Jesus did. So Jesus was, the, was, the image, was made in the image of his Father. And the beautiful thing about it, it's crazy to think about it, that you and me were made in his same image. Isn't that crazy? Do you think about that? Like you and me are made in the image of God. And when I read the scriptures, I love the gospels. How many of y'all ever love the gospels? The gospels is like, you know, them walking with Jesus. These are the disciples walking with Jesus, and they were, they were taking notes of who this man was, what he was doing, and how he was doing it. And then what they did is Jesus says, everything you've learned from me, I want you to go out and do it. Do the things that I'm doing. And he even says this, greater things. Say greater things. Greater things you shall do because Jesus goes to the Father on your behalf. Every time, there's also another scripture that says, every time you mention the name of Jesus, Jesus mentions your name to the Father. That's crazy to think about that. That is crazy to think about that. Jesus is talking about you to the Father as you're talking about him to your neighbor. That's crazy. But we're all made in his image. And when I read the Gospels, there's a certain part in the Gospels. Like Jesus, you know, grew up in Nazareth. Jesus was doing his father's business, Joseph's business, but also his father in heaven business. And he would find himself in the temple. Even as a young boy, he got lost. Mary and Joseph were trying to find him. And then Jesus was in the temple listening to the, to the, to the prophets and and the people preach the gospel, pre not, not necessarily the gospel, preach the Old Testament. And they were freaking out. And, and Jesus says this statement. It's super crazy because if you got kids, you know how you feel when your kid is lost. But he says, I was here being about my father's business. Isn't that interesting? So he was talking about a supernatural heavenly father, but at the same time he was a carpenter. So he was a woodworker doing his father's physical business at the same time. But there's, there's a miracle that starts kind of his ministry. There's one miracle that he does in the very beginnings. You know what the first miracle that Jesus did? He turned water into wine. Now some of you are like, yeah, come on, Jesus. I need some of that in my life. But I, wanna, I wanted to kind of read the first miracle of Jesus, because I believe there's some keys and there's some truths in this miracle that he does that we could apply to our lives and that we can apply to us being made in his image, doing the things that Jesus did on this earth. Now, when you get home for lunch today and you, you open up a bottle of water, you know, I don't want you to try to turn that water into wine. <laughs> but maybe you can. Maybe Jesus could do that, right? 
I'm not saying doubt that, but Jesus could do that. But at the same time, I want you to extract these principles. I want you to extract these truths. I want you to extract these keys so that you can go out and do the things and live the life that Jesus wants you to live in his name. Amen? So let's read this together. It starts in John chapter 2. It says this, On the third day of the wedding, it took place in Cana, in Galilee, Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus was with his disciples, had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, say when the wine was gone. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replies. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Nearby there were six stone jars, the kind that the Jews used for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons of water. Jesus said to his servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then they told him, then he told them, now draw some out of that and take it to the master of the banquet. So they did. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now or for last. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and the disciples believed in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that your truth penetrates our hearts and our minds, teaches us something about how to live out this life, seeking first the kingdom and doing the ministry that Jesus has called us to do. We love you. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. We said amen. So I want to extract five keys to miracles from the wedding at Cana. The first key is this. The first key, there was an invitation. Say invitation. There was an invitation. We read it. On the third day, the wedding took place in Cana. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. You ever been invited to a wedding before? You ever been invited to a birthday party before? You ever been invited to a party before? You got to show up for things to happen. You got to show up to enjoy it. Right? I love that we stream online. I love that people can watch us all over the world, but the reality, watching it on Instagram or on YouTube or on Facebook is different than coming in person. Amen? Like, there's something different about showing up. Things happen when you and me show up. You got to show up in order to show out, they say, right? And so Jesus through Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Old Testament, he dwelt in the temple. New Testament, you are the temple. And so when the temple of God shows up in any situation, things happen. Right? If you want to experience a miracle, you got to invite the person of Holy Spirit and Jesus into a situation. You got to invite him into your life. You got to invite him into your family. You got to invite him into your finances. You got to invite him into your business. Nothing can happen 
outside, no supernatural miracle will ever happen outside the person of Jesus. And have a positive effect and a positive influence. There is such thing as black magic and demonic forces. I'm not saying that that can't happen. Things could happen in the context of the world, but nothing of greatness, nothing of substance, nothing of transformative lifestyle will happen outside the person of Jesus. We got to invite him in to every situation, even the small things. Some of us look at miracles like it's some big, you know, I love the testimony that that design shared this morning about this lady with cancer. That's an amazing, powerful testimony. But God is in the little things just as much as the big things. And sometimes miracles happen in the little, tiny situations over and over and over. And then all of a sudden you look back and you realize that the hand of God was moving all throughout your life over the years. I met with somebody the other day and the recording they're doing like this film project about these different stories and different testimonies that how God is using people, everyday average people in the world doing supernatural things. And he went to interview one man, and the man said that he did not have a testimony. And I talk to people a lot in ministry, and I talk to a lot of people who work, you know, normal jobs. When I say normal, like just, just nine to five jobs. And they feel like God doesn't use them. They feel like they don't have this huge, crazy testimony, therefore God is not at work. And I'm saying that you have believed a lie if you believe that you don't have a testimony. Let me tell you what the greatest testimony of all time is. How many of y'all got kids? Raise your hand. You got kids. If you got children, you pray that your children don't have to go through the same junk that you went through, Right? You pray that your you raise your children up in the ways of the Lord, in the ways of the kingdom, and you pray that the Lord has his hand on your children's life from the age they are zero all the way to the end. And that the Lord protects them, the Lord guards them, the Lord, you know, shelters them from all the evil things in this world. And so one of the greatest untold testimonies is I served the Lord from when I was a young kid. My parents raised me up in the scriptures. My parents raised me up in the context of the church, the people. And God had his hand on me from when I was a little kid. And I didn't have to suffer and go through all the mess that a lot of other people go through in the context of the world. Because Jesus sheltered me. I want to hear that testimony. Because I pray, and I'm not saying that, you know, that we got to be perfect. I'm not saying it's not about a perfect thing, but it is about... Us believing lies that because we don't have no great, grander story that Jesus showed up, you know what I mean, and the prison walls fell down. Like, praise God for those stories. Praise God for supernatural healings. Praise God for deliverance. Praise God for all of that stuff. But also praise God for protection. Also praise God for his grace that no matter where you go, like you just know that you abound in his grace and that, that nothing will be impossible for you. So we got to invite him into the situation. He was invited to the wedding, then the miracle was able to take place. Because if Jesus didn't show up, they would have ran out of wine. And if Jesus doesn't show up in my life, a lot of times, I'm going to run out of whatever it is. I'm going to run out of hope. I'm going to run out of joy. I'm going to run out of peace. I'm going to run out of all of the fruits of the Spirit unless I invite Jesus in.
We got to seek his face. We got to seek the blessing. We got to seek his guidance in every aspect of our lives, especially when we leave here. Especially when we're out in this world, especially when we're at work, especially when we're at home, all alone. And the enemy starts speaking to us in the context of our thoughts. We got to seek him. We got to invite him in. It's the only way we're going to see a miracle happen. And sometimes a miracle is when our mind is all the way out here in left field and we invite Holy Spirit in and all of a sudden, you know, we start, we start thinking of the things of the kingdom. We start thinking about Jesus and joy starts to come up in our heart and hope wells up inside of us. And all of a sudden we start praising God right in the middle of we thought we were going to go left, but God. That's just as big of a miracle. And so you got to, the first key is you got to invite him in. The second key that we read about in this story is the key of intercession. Say intercession. So we had invitation. Now we have intercession. Verse 3, it says, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. The second step for a miracle is to intercede before the Lord, to make your request known. She went to Jesus. Jesus, they're out of wine. And we have to go to the person of Jesus because he's the only one that could turn water into wine. He's the only, that's impossible in the world. I don't know if you've tried it before. It's impossible for you or me or any human being to turn water into wine. So sometimes when we're facing impossible situations, we have to make our request known to him, to God. Mary, the mother of Jesus, made her request known to her son. We also got to take our burdens, our cares, and we got to cast them on him. Because he says his ways are easy and his burdens are very light. Instead of rushing to substances, instead of rushing to our friend, instead of rushing to anybody, uh, social media even, we got to go to the person of Jesus. He, and even Holy Spirit, the scripture says that Holy Spirit is our counselor. I love counseling. I'm not against counseling, but we have the best counselor in the history of history. And his name is Holy Spirit. And he will guide us and lead us and counsel us and convict us and teach us and bring to remembrance things. So we first got to take it to the Lord and cast our burdens upon him. I don't know if you ever read the book of Job before, but Job went through it. This man named Job was dragged through the mud as we say in the ATL. But if you read in Job 5, 8 through 9, it says this. But if I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that can't be fathomed, miracles that can't be counted. So he knew that he had to go to God. He had to take his situation and bring it to the Father. And me and you, we got to do the same thing. We got to intercede. We got to go to the feet of Jesus sometimes. We got to invite him in. We got to intercede. And the next key we get from this story is we also have instruction. Say instruction. 
Now, if you're anything like me, don't be like me in this. I don't like to follow instructions. And I've shared this story before about Ikea. You ever been to Ikea? It's the greatest, worst place in the world. I mean, you go and you see all this amazing furniture, right? It's really dope furniture. They got these rooms set up. It'd be like 253 square foot room. And it's got a kitchen, a bathroom, and all of it in there, right? And you're like, man, that would look good in my house. You buy it. And then you got to go down into what I call the basement of Ikea. And then you pick it up and it's in a box. And then you get home and you got to put it together. And then you open up the box and there's like 10,000 screws. There's 500 nails. And there's bolts and there's all types of stuff. And I look at it and I'm like, why did I buy this couch? I should have bought one that was already built. I would have paid the extra money. And then I'm like, all right, I got it. I'm a guy. I'm a dude. I can put this thing together. I'll never forget. <laughs> we, had, we have urban missionaries in, 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 our, in our last space. We had bought a closet at Ikea. And it got done, and the closet was tilted about three feet to the right on the top, and the bottom was this way. I was like, why are we keep going to Ikea? The problem is, if we let the ladies build it, they would build it correctly. But when the guys build it, we feel like we know what we're doing, and we throw the instructions to the side, and we just start putting it up. Take that for what it is. Men, write, you know, write that down. Instruction. His mother said to the servants in verse 5, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever Jesus tells you to do. I remember, Jesus was just like, it's not yet my time, mama. I'm not ready yet. The father has, you know, father's not ready. She just ignored that. She was like, listen, and she, she, looked at, she looked at me and you. She looked at me. She looked at you. Mary said, listen, all I want you to do is just do whatever he tells you to do. And the third step is obedience in the commands of the Lord. We have to be obedient to what the Lord has already said and what he's saying now. The Lord is speaking. How does the Lord speak? The first way the Lord speaks is through his word. This was a wedding. Mary told the servants, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And check this out. It was the in obedience to the instructions of Jesus that enabled them to experience the miracle. Some of us have been praying for a miracle for a long time. The problem is we're not being obedient to the things of the king. And so we're not experiencing the fullness of what Jesus wants for our lives because we're being disobedient. And the Lord ain't worried about the outward as much as he's worried about the inward. The Lord ain't worried about what we do as much as who we are. And so the Lord, as his son and as his daughter, just wants us to be obedient. We got to be careful to obey the instructions that the Lord has already given us. And we must live accordingly to the word and the promises of God for our lives. This is how we move and we see the supernatural. This is how, you know, Jesus 
It says in the word that he only did what he seen the father do. He only said what he heard the father say. What kind of radical, submitted life is that? You ever thought about that? Some of us can't even hear from him. And he says in his word that his sheep, right, he's a shepherd, his sheep know his voice. And so if we can't hear from him, how could we be obedient to him? How could we repeat what he's saying if we can't hear from him? Jesus only said what he heard the Father say. So we got to be submitted to his instruction. We got to be submitted to his voice. We got to be submitted to his word. We got to be submitted to his promises. We can't, like Ikea, throw the instruction book out the window. Otherwise, our lives will look like that closet that we built, standing on ground but crooked. It's real. We got to invite him, we got to intercede. There's instruction. And in verse 6, we read about these instruments. Say instruments. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind that the Jewish people used to use for ceremonial washing, holding 20 to 30 gallons of water. The Lord uses instruments to perform his miracles every single day. At the wedding, the Lord used these these jugs of water. When he was on the mountainside and people were hungry and the disciples were like, Jesus, tell everybody to go home. They're hungry. We're hungry. Jesus used loaves of bread and a few fish that a young boy had in his hand. The Lord will use whatever you have in your hands to perform supernatural miracles. God will use the little bit that you have God will use the little bit of money that we have in our bank accounts to do supernatural things all around the world. Never doubt that God can use the little to perform something that's greater and something that's great. The question is, what do you have in your hands? And are you believing God for something supernatural, something significant, through something that you're looking as insignificant? And so you got to start looking at your insignificant things and possessions because you're just a steward over those things as something very significant that God could use in the kingdom. They're instruments. My money is an instrument. My, my, my car is an instrument. My house is an instrument. It could be a house of peace. You can invite people over your house. Have, have dinner, have lunch with him, have breakfast with him, and all of a sudden, you're, you're having church. Jesus is making himself known in the context of your dining room table. It's an instrument to be used by a king. He can even use ordinary vessels to reveal his supernatural power. And I'm preaching this word today, hoping that you get it, because the rubber hits the road when you leave this building. And you got to start to see yourself as he sees you. you got to start to see things that he's blessed you with as tools, as instruments, as a carrier of the kingdom for supernatural miracles to take place every single day. we got to allow the Lord to use whatever he wants to use in our lives for his glory. In Jesus' name. 
Some people might use a sewing machine. Some people might use their voice. Some people might use business. Some people might use music. Some people might use whatever it is. Putting on makeup on people's faces for his glory in Jesus' name. Some people might use law. Some people might use medical. Some people might, whatever it is, you do it for the glory of God. And Jesus himself will show up in it and do supernatural things in and through you and these instruments. Amen? So you got to invite him, intercede, follow instructions. There was instruments. And the last thing is this. There was inspiration. Say inspiration. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water so they filled them to the brim. I love that. Jesus doesn't fill things halfway. Jesus doesn't fill a quarter of a cup, a third of a cup. Jesus said, fill it up, and they filled it to the brim, it says. Then he told them, now draw out some and take it to the master of the banquet. Here Jesus intervenes, performed a miracle, turned water into wine. And it says that his disciples seen and knew what had happened. None of the other people knew. They thought they just went and got wine. But the disciples knew that was water a second ago, and now it's wine. And let me just be honest and real with y'all. Sometimes Jesus does supernatural miracles that nobody knows about except you. Yeah. It's the intimacy with Jesus that will give you eyes to see and ears to hear what's really going on in the natural. Nobody knew that that was water a second ago. Only the disciples knew. The miracle that Jesus performed inspired the disciples and cause them for their faith to rise up inside of their hearts. And see, the miracle, eventually the miracle faded out. What I mean by that is the wine that was in these vessels eventually was gone. Lazarus, rise up from the dead. Jesus raised up dead bodies from tombs. But eventually, Lazarus died again. Man, woman with the issue of blood. The year is 2022. That woman is no longer alive. She might have got sick again. She might have died. Why am I saying that? It's not about the miracle. It's about the miracle worker. It's about the one who does the miracles. The miracles are signs that point to a miracle worker. The miracles are signs that point to a destination. You can't worship the miracle. Those miracles are temporary. There is one miracle that is eternal. It's the miracle of salvation. It's the miracle that when you put your trust, your hope, your faith in Jesus, who he is, what he's done for you, and invite him into your life. Invite him into a personal relationship of you walking with him and him walking with you. He says that the old things pass away. And all things, I want you to say that, say all things. 
all things become new. It's the greatest miracle of all. That's why you read about the thieves on the cross. There was three men who died the day that Jesus died. Three men. One was clowning him, laughing him. Gee, if you're really king, why don't you get us all down from here? These men might have done crazy stuff in their lives. It doesn't really say what they did. It just says that they were thieves. They might have been murderers. They might have, who knows what they did? Home invasions. Whatever they did, the law of the land said that they deserved to die. Jesus was the only innocent man on the cross that day, is what I'm saying. If you're really God, get us down from here. The other man, to his right, looked at him and says, Jesus, I just want you to remember me. We look at the greater miracle. We look at the natural. And so the greater miracle would have been what the first man said. All of a sudden, they came off the cross, all three of them were put down on the earth and they were able to walk away. We look at that as the greater miracle. But Jesus said to this man who said, remember me, he says, listen, in a moment's time, you are going to be with me in a place that I call paradise. That, listen, listen, let me just, if you get anything from this, that is the greater miracle. That's that I could be with Jesus forever. And even on this earth, that no matter what storm comes, I could be with Jesus. No matter what kind of pain and affliction and suffering attack my body and my life. Yes, I'm going to pray for a miracle for that to be, me to be delivered from it. But at the same time, I get to walk with Jesus. That nothing can steal my peace and my joy. Why? Because I got the peace and the joy in person inside of me. Mm. Yeah, there's miracles and signs and wonder, and we can never lose our awe of who God is. He's a supernatural God that defies human logic, that defies human understanding. Some of us want to understand why God does this and why God doesn't do this. I don't know. Ask him. One day we'll know. As we'll be with him. But every miracle that Jesus performs, especially the miracle of salvation, should be an inspiration. Should inspire us to be who God has called us and commissioned us to be. He said, what is the greatest commandment? They asked Jesus. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But the second, and he adds one. To love your neighbor as yourself. I call it, it's this command to love God and love people. And then if we love God and love people, he commissions us to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you to do, to obey his word, to obey his commands. To obey his instructions. 
That's why you come here, to hear his instructions. Not my instructions, not, you know, crossover city takers instructions. The word of God, his instructions on how to live out this life. And God will use you as instruments of the kingdom and do supernatural things in you, but also through you. Because he goes to the Father on your behalf. So before we close service today, I want to invite you to the foot of the cross. One thing that's significant about the bottom of the foot, as they call it, of the cross. Jesus was pierced three times. Two through his wrists, one through his ankles. And then he was pierced another time on his side. And if you could picture Jesus hanging on a cross, at the bottom of the cross is where all the blood dripped down to. It's kind of a gory thought. But it's the blood of Yeshua. If you understand Old Testament, they had to slaughter a perfect lamb for the forgiveness of sins. But it's something they had to do over and over and over again. But Jesus was the lamb that was there before the foundations of the world. The lamb, the spotless, perfect lamb was sent to this world to suffer just like me and you suffer, yet without sin. And it was the perfect lamb of God that was put on the cross and shed his blood for the forgiveness of all sins, past, present, and future. And it's because his blood, his blood will wash away all sins. One thing I know about blood, blood stains. But thank God for the stain of the blood of Jesus you hear me? Because it'll take all of my sin. And when you, when you, when you dip it in this, this blood, it stains me. So then, then when the father looks at Scott, when the father looks at you, all he does is see his son. Because we're clothed. We're clothed in his righteousness. Not my righteousness. Not your righteousness. But the greatest miracle of all is when he puts his robe on us full of blood. And when the Father sees us, he sees Jesus. Dang. I don't deserve it. But he loved me so much. He loved you so much that he invites you in. So Jesus, I pray for your children. You said in your word that no man comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them. And I just sense right now that you're drawing hearts closer into more intimacy, intimate places, Lord God. I pray for supernatural miracles to even just start to take place as I'm praying right now, God. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray over people's physical bodies. 
I pray for healing, Lord God, from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, Father. If there's anything out of alignment, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that Holy Spirit gets to the root of the issue and heals the root, Lord God, not the fruit. I pray against lies. I pray against addictions. I pray against the thoughts of suicide and the end to this life, Lord God. Devil, you have no authority over their minds and their hearts. I command your voice to be silenced in Jesus' name. And may Jesus' voice, the voice of the true king, the true lion, be magnified in our lives so we can follow you, Lord God. Help us to be instruments of your kingdom. Make us vessels, Lord God. Make us an inspiration to a nation. Make us an inspiration to our neighbors. Make us an inspiration to our families. Make us an inspiration to the people we work with, Lord God. But it's you in us, the hope of glory. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are the miracle worker. You're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so we submit ourselves unto your lordship, unto your kingship. And we just say we love you. And we say have your way. Come on, make that your prayer. Just say have your way in my life. Have your way in my heart. Have your way, King Jesus. We love you, Father. We praise you, Father. We thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. And we celebrate all you're doing in this church and beyond. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. We all say amen.